This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Dennis Barber of Knox. He lives in a Civil War-era house on a farm that has been in his family for a century. In it, he has a trunk that came from Italy with all of the possessions of the Colicello family when they immigrated from Italy in 1929. A decade and a half later, Nicolina Colicello, one of eight children, was at a square dance at Pat's Ranch in Altamont, where she met the man who would become her husband, Dennis's father. Barbara's family history embraces not just the American immigration experience, but the pioneering settlers as well. Barbara says his family hopes to hang on to the farm for another hundred years. So let's just start at the beginning. Tell us a little about how you discovered this history, how you put it together. My mother and grandmother kept just about everything from back in the day, and I still have it at home. We import cards and pictures. I have my grandparents and great-grandparents' original marriage licenses, certificates. They were pretty fancy back in the day. It was just like... 14 by 18 paper, fancy paper. And she had written things down. She wrote on every single photograph we have, she wrote on the back who it was, where it was, and, and the date. That is a gift. And all of our listeners should take heed because so often you go through boxes of old pictures or documents and you have no idea what they are. She took care of all that. And she had written down these these dates of, uh, of my father's side of the family. So you're interested also in just general town history. Aren't you very active in the Historical Society as well? So tell us a little about the Historical Society. Who who can join and what does it do? Anyone can join. You don't have to be a resident. You can still help out to preserve and protect and promote the history of the town of Knox. Because my father was, was born here and I've been here my whole life. He's been here his whole life and and we, we, we like the farming aspect of growing up. Like I said, we could hang out with our friends. And if we wanted to go someplace, Dad would give us you know, some money to go someplace. But we didn't get paid, of course. And, but I think it's important that the new people in, in town understand and try to find out the history of, of where they live, who started this town, what went on in this town, and who grew up in this town. So hopefully this is being... And I hear the school is starting to work on some of these things with a, a class being taught for, for local history. Uh-huh. It's, so much, it's so forgotten. Yeah, that's great. And you have just a beautiful repository, the Saddlemeyer Homestead. We have every room packed full of stuff because years ago when they started it, back in 1973, they had a lot of members, a lot of active members that, were, that grew up and lived here. They've all passed on. And now the only ones that are helping to take care and preserve this are just a handful of us. And most of them aren't even, wouldn't even, didn't grow up here. They just like to help out. Yeah, so... Sotomayor was, was big in the museum because that was her, her uh, husband's, I think, father's house, I believe. Louis Sotomayor can tell you more about that. <laughs> well, just so people who don't know, it's right on the main street in Knox. It's this beautiful um, 
I don't know the era. Is it like mid-1800s? It was 1870. Okay. Yeah, and it's right right in the same complex as the town hall and the firehouse. Is it open to the public at all? It's open precise by calling me. Uh-huh. And you so you say the rooms are packed. What are in these rooms? The first room you walk into is like a display room. We can change displays each each year or something. And then the room to the left, we call the reading room, where all our periodicals are, all the history of, of uh, families, churches, other organizations. You can sit down and read. There's plenty of stuff to read there, pictures and albums. And then the next room we go into is, is a kitchen off to the right. Kitchen would be what people would have in their kitchen back in the, in the days. Yeah hundreds of items in there. Things labeled. Like what? Tell us like some of the items. Oh, the uh, dog-powered uh, wooden uh, butter churn is an old-fashioned. Did you say dog-powered? Dog-powered. It's not a treadmill type thing. The dog would run and it would churn the butter and it's a wooden thing that was made. So you can train a dog to go on a treadmill? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, I never heard of that. Wow. What else is in there? There's old dishes and jewelry and, and old Fashion toasters and uh, utensils. Gosh. There's so much to describe. It's in there. Yeah. Go in there and see what utensils they had back in the day. Oh, that's you know, great. The free, you know, the freezer they used to have. Like an ice box? Yeah. Yeah. Because they used to cut ice. We've had our back in time column about, you know, cutting ice out on the lakes and bringing it in to keep the food cold in the ice boxes. Yeah. To describe is, I guess there's utensils and dishes and things like that. So you can actually hold the past in your hand. If you know what it is, there's a little card next to each item describing what it is. Oh, that's great. Old salt dishes. I don't know what salt dishes were. On the table to sprinkle your yeah, food with? Glass yeah. Yeah. So I think you were the person that was behind Knox, the town, adopting a seal. It didn't have its own seal before. Is that right? I've never had a seal. I created a seal a few years ago. So that, too, embodies history. Tell us about that seal. Well, we tried to, in our seal, we wanted to make sure we got every aspect of what Knox was about for the most part, which was the longest part. So farming. So it's a it's a circle divided a circle into thirds. thirds. Is it? Yeah. And you were on the Knox Town board at the time, and it, the seal is now right behind the dais on the, in the town hall. So one, one is farming. One is farming. Another one is what Knox was famous for back in the early 1800s and 1900s is the pillbox. The word known as the pillbox capital of the world. Tell us about that. A box made out of basswood. Knox had a lot of basswood trees back in the day. Uh-huh. And it's a very soft wood. You can cut it with a knife. So, and there was no, obviously, no plastic or things like that to make pillboxes. But they made pillboxes by shaving the basswood and then forming it and then gluing it and then shipping them out. And it would be done in people's houses. People's houses would make the pillboxes. The pillbox capital of They're the all world. Round oblong. They were shipped down to, to the harbor in, in Albany, and they were sent overseas all, all over. So hundred year over a hundred year industry, eighteen oh six to nineteen. And do you have some pillboxes in the museum? Yes, we have all the forms, oh, wow. stuff, 
of the pillboxes, the history of the pillboxes, who started the pillbox factory. And the third, located. what is the third part of the seal? The third part was kind of a, the third part was kind of a, not controversial, we had a choice. I had originally put the third one as, there's, there was, I think, 13 one-room schoolhouses in the town. So I forget I put a one of my education schoolhouses. But then other people give me ideas. So the third one is the, I can't think of, the, when they had the, the, the um, tin horns and calories. Oh, the anti-rent wars. Yeah, that's the anti-rent Oh, well, that, is, that did put yeah. the hill towns on the yeah, map. That yeah. So that was our third one. So oh, yeah. So farming, pillbox, and... And just, if people aren't familiar, tell us a little about the anti-rent wars. And you use tin horns and calico because that's Chrisman. Well, I'll give a little synopsis. Um, Chrisman's book is called that because right. the farmers would dress up in calico sort of costuming themselves like Indians, the same way the original colonists did with the Boston Tea Party. And they'd blow horns to warn each other because it was um, an indentured system, almost medieval, where the patroon controlled the lands and the farmers had to keep paying rent. And this lasted, it started with the early, early Dutch settlement of the area, but it lasted up until the 1800s, yeah, so... Or late 1600s. Yeah, it was just, yes, yeah. That's why we thought we'd pick that one. Yeah, no, that's great. We have, a, we have a, one of the horns in the museum. The tin horns, yeah. Yes. Well, I want to go back now to your own family history, although I can see it's really closely entwined with the town it's history. The oh, sure. Now, yeah. Uh, next February, February 28th, 2022 Knox will be 200 years old. It's our bicentennial celebration next year. Oh and my I'm God! I'm up a committee to have a celebration. Oh wow! Because I know that Knox went in really full bore with the sesquicentennial. I remember we. I mean, the Enterprise covered. You started. Oh, what was the name of that? Wrote. Plank Rotors Club, and everybody grew beards. You have a beard already, so you're set. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Knox really observes its history. That's great. So February twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, and what kind of things are you planning, and how can people get involved if they want to help with this? Well, we haven't met yet. We're in the process of contacting all the organizations in town so they will be able to participate and be able to hold some kind of celebration with which that would could help celebrate the town. So we're thinking about, you know, like we had back in assessment tonight, we'll have a, um, a painting contest, a photo contest, uh, like, like a Miss and Mrs. Knox. That's great. We'll have a big parade, and then we'll have it'll be all culminated in probably August with our with a Pucker Street Fair. That's all end with a parade and a Pucker Street Fair. But throughout the summer, we're going to have a, a few events. Oh, and I'm glad that's been revived. I, I know that was a firehouse fundraising right. function, but Vasilios Lefkadidis revived that as kind of a townwide celebration. 
Oh, that's exciting. I'm glad to know you're doing that. It's so important to observe history. But now to get back to your family history, which I can see is intertwined. Um, let's just talk a little about, I mean, how you, your family arcs all the way back. Josiah Barber, you said, was born in 1839 in Bern. Correct. And he fought in the Civil War. Do you know anything about him other than that? Because I just know he was wounded and, and, and where, the, where the money went, I guess, so you get paid after that. Yeah, right. That's all I really know about him. Yeah, at Gettysburg. Cemetery. But I did find him Josiah Barber, but it wasn't Josiah W. Barber. He lived with them over in the town of Bern. I can't think of the name of the road. Do you know where Paris's farm was? If you go past Paris's farm, there's an old one-room schoolhouse there. It's a back way to Hunter's Land. To Middleburg, yeah. There's a road over there, and I found the cemetery and and the, and the foundation where the house was. Uh -huh. and there's gravestones there, but that was the Josiah Barber that my grand great grandfather lived with, so his stones weren't there. Oh my! Same as wife oh my! So untangling family history is really complex. It sounds yeah. like, but to have somebody who was wounded at Gettysburg, um, how does that influence who you are like in our current day with a black lives matter movement a lot of people well, maybe i should speak for myself <laughs> you know being white you wish there was more you could do but here you had a relative that actually fought and was wounded to, to part of it was to free the slaves so does that influence your kind of current view on life or how you were raised in your family or raised to be respectful to everyone treat everyone the same i i think that's the only way you can do it nowadays and instead of picking this person you don't like and they just get along with everybody if you don't want to talk to them don't talk to them but they have a right to be here just as well as you do and just Respect their way of life and your way of life. Don't influence what you do. They don't influence what they do on you. So also, you have um, several mentions of these one-room schoolhouses. You said Alice, um, the one who married your great-grandfather? No, Al Alice. She went to school six. She, Alice, she married... My father's mother. Your father's mother, Okay. They married in 1906. So, and then you mentioned several other family members that had been to the one-room schoolhouses. Um, although your father was the first to graduate in the first class at, at Burn Knox, which right. was the big school in 1934. But um, do you have any sense of uh, stories or things that came through your family about those small one-room schoolhouses? No, they really never talked about their one-room schoolhouse because when he was a child, according to my mother, he, he was a sick child. And you never had to, you know, in those days, you didn't have to go into war if you were a, a single son of a farmer or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but they didn't have to go into war. And I think he had some kind of disease when he was younger. Mm. Gosh, that's too bad. But um, so he never really never talked about it. Yeah, I just wondered because there's a lot of people in your family that that I did know. experience that kind of education. What about your own education? Where you went to the central school in yes. Burnox? Okay, yeah. So 
another part of your history that is so American is immigration, right. Nicolina. So are there any stories around, um, you still have the trunk, you said, yes. that held all of their belongings when they came. Yeah, so, I mean, were there stories about their passage or about why they left Italy or? They left, well, my grandfather had come here first and he fought in World War One. Uh, for Italy, which I believe was against us, right? Mm-hmm. And Mussolini. Right, he was a, yeah. Oh, that's World War Two. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> World War One. He fought in World War One. Okay. Well, for Italy, but wasn't Italy against us then? World War One. Yeah, World War Two. They were with us, right? Yeah. So. No, World War Two. It was Mussolini, and they were against us. Right. But he fought in Italy in World War One. He had lots of wounds in his back. Was punched over a lot. But he came here and he helped build, there used to be a trolley on Broadway Hill. He helped build that, that leads down toward GE. And oh, wow. Oh, wow. He worked for GE for 40 years. Like I said, he raised eight children because my grandmother didn't work. But they wanted to come here for a better life. So. And they found one. The house they lived was a stone house and a dirt floor with chickens and everything running around. My brother had went back there in 1871 and, and found it. I have a picture of it. The house she was. The house is still standing. This is seventy one. Yeah. Who knows? And where where was it? Fontana Rose is like south of Rome. Okay. Huh. And so, what what does this trunk look like? <laughs> I'm just curious. Inside with a floral paper type thing. Yeah. Right. The outside is kind of the usual. Uh, it's. So it's a wooden trunk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a what a neat heirloom to have. I mean, belong is in a trunk. There was three children of my grandmother. Yeah. And they came here, and they had five more. So my mother was twenty eight years older than her youngest sister. Wow. Raised him when he lived in Rotterdam. They would sleep two or three to a bed. There was eight kids at home. Yeah. Now, I know you said they met at a square dance at Pat's Ranch, but how was it that Nicolina came to this area? Girls from Rotterdam come over together, and then the guys from up here went down. Yeah. It was like a hangout back I know. I do a lot of obituaries, and there's so many people that when you ask how they met, they met at Pat's Ranch. It's just, it makes me think, you know, it worked better than the dating apps. You know, we all we now do. girlfriends would probably come up, and then Dad his friends probably went down, and that's how they met. Yeah. So what was their marriage like? Well, it was good because they both worked all the time. <laughs> she went to work when she probably wasn't of age. She worked at G for 42 years, never drove. How did she get to work? People from Bern would give her rides. And what did she do at General Electric? She worked, actually it's a funny story, she worked in large motors. She would wrap coils. Coils would go in the inside of a motor. Uh-huh. She would wrap the coil. they form a coil out of brass or something, and then she would wrap it with this material, and that's what they did. And wow. I think it was building 42, 43, I'm not sure the old building number, but she was carrying me when she worked there. Oh, my. And you know, 34, when I was 28, I worked in the same building, the same floor as she worked. Oh, 
my gosh. <laughs> yeah, was, I was forming coils. He would form them, and they would wrap the same floor she was doing her job carrying me that I ended up doing. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot of farms needed outside work in order to carry on, you know, in order to have the income. So, my yeah. My grandfather died in 1956, so I never, I was only one year old. Yeah. But my grandmother raised us three boys. Wow. What's a, what a great story. So now we're rapidly running out of time. I want to hear about the farm itself. I think you mentioned it's about 200 acres. Is that right? About 200 acres of farming land. Uh-huh. trees and swamp and stuff. So just describe it visually. What, what does it look like? Well, there's a swamp in the middle of kind of like the middle of it. On, on the roadside, there's two or three fields, and we have a road that goes up in the back, which devi- deviates to uh, one, two, three, six fields in the back. And is it mostly flat it's land? Flat, except for one field we have in the back, it's a hill field. We call it the hill field. It's like an 18-acre bottom's kind of flat, and there's a hill. So it's about half and half. But all, all of our land is flat and only about a foot and a half of dirt because we're right on limestone. Yes, that's so, so hay, typical hay of the Helderbergs. <laughs> so it's good, dries good. You said that Brian Whipple is now farming the yeah, land. Brian does our farm. And what does he grow there? What what is the He grows hay like we did, oats like we did, but he grows corn also. We never grew corn. He grows corn because he, he sells the corn. And who lives on the farm? Me, my wife, and my son live on it. Oh, so you're right there where your roots are. Right, yes. Oh. I moved back to take care of my mother. Yes, you mentioned about your mother's death, but I oh hadn't realized. I built on our property. I built a house on our property back in 80, 83. 83, I built a house. So what is the the farmhouse that you're living in now? Is that also an old house or is that? Yeah, 1860. So tell us a little about that house. As a dirt floor in a basement, as a stone foundation. When I was a kid, it used to be a wooden cistern. If you know what a cistern is, it would collect... To hold water? It collect all the water off the roof and dump it into the cistern in our basement. It was a big wooden thing with metal rings around it. That was a typical way to get back, water in the right country? Back up for water because we had, you know, had a dug well and yeah. there was a well across the road. There was a well by the barn, but that was capped off. I mean, it's still there. We have a pump in it, but... So, do you have a sense of history living there? And in the basement, there's also these uh, metal tubing things. That, and, and every once in a while, there's a point that comes up, and I guess they would get the gas out of the ground, and that's how you had the lights. Oh, because you mentioned in your narrative there were gas lights, but yeah. it has electricity now, yes. right? My mother come up here, and there was no electricity. And I was back 47, my mother got married and that's when they moved to the farm in 47. It was, it was felt like she's back home, she said. Yeah. Oh. No running water. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just, I, for... And they had, back in those days, they had, they, they had a summer kitchen and a winter kitchen. Because it got too hot to cook inside? Well, it got too cold in the winter time, so they cooled it off the summer kitchen and the other kitchen. And do you still have that 
to. No, no, we've, we've redone that area. But I mean, the space is still there. You the just have a different use. So what is it like living in a house that has that kind of history personally for you and your family? It's funny you say that because we just had a trip to Florida <laughs> and we're looking to maybe put it on a Florida, but I really don't want to part with our farm and yeah. my son. <laughs> so it's a catch-22. I, I, I love it. There are no neighbors. You get the peepers at night in spring because they have a pond across the road. I got lots of wildlife and flowers and gardens and lawn to mow. And it's nice to see the hay still being done and coming to barns. But So if you did move to Florida, and I see you're dressed like you've just been to Florida with hibiscus designs on your shirt, um, who, what would happen to the farm? Would it be passed along you in know, your my family? My son is very interested in it. Well, that's a good thing. I guess. Well... Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? I, I think more people should tell their stories about their, their way of life on, on the hill. I wish, the museum always wished we had gotten more of these from elder residents that have passed on and could tell us more what happened personally back in those days. We only have a couple in the museum. Well, now your story is on record. So thank you. The Barber Farm, 1921 to 2021. William J. Barber was born in the town of Bern in 1876, son of Josiah W. Barber, born in the town of Bern, July 12, 1839, and wife Mary Wilday Barber. Josiah was a member of the 61st Infantry of New York, enlisted in the Civil War in 1862, and was wounded at Gettysburg in 1863. William moved to the lower end of Main Street in the village of Knox, where he boarded at the home of Menzo and Orvilla Dockstader. The Dockstaters were married November 1st, 1883, at the Reformed Church in Bern. The Dockstaters had a daughter, Alice. Alice was born in 1884. Alice attended School 6, a one-room schoolhouse located where the current Knox Firehouse sits. William and Alice were married December 26, 1906, at the Knox Methodist Church. The church was located next to the current Knox Museum, but burned down in 1932. In, 1970, in 1917, our dad, Marshall D. Barber, was born in the village of Knox. In 1921, our grandparents purchased the current farm at Knox K Road and Pleasant Valley Roads. They moved their animals up in the spring to the new farmhouse whom they had purchased from the Wolfords. The house was built about 1860. There was no electricity or running water. There were gas lights throughout the house. There was a spring for drinking water and an outhouse. Our grandparents had a few cows and many chickens and a couple of horses to pull the machinery. Like most farms back in the day, they had a huge garden from which they would sell vegetables. They also sold milk, eggs, and chickens. Our grandfather would also sell hay and grain, which was not needed for the cows and chickens. 
In addition, our grandfather worked for the Albany County Highway Department. Our grandmother was a stay-at-home mom, but was also a seamstress making hundreds of dresses for local women and children in Knox, Gallagher, Scaharia, and the Altamont areas. Our dad attended school three, a one-room schoolhouse located in intersections of Pleasant Valley and Tabor Roads. Dad was a member of the first graduating class of Burnox High in 1934. Dad was the first secretary of the Knox Volunteer Fire Company, which was formed in 1948. Dad worked to farm as well as working for the Albany County Fire Department. In the 1940s, Dad met Nicolina Coluciello at Pat's Ranch, a square dance place located on Gun Club Road in Altamont. Mom was born in 1914 in Fontana Rosa, Italy. Mom, her sister, brother, and mother arrived in New York by ship in 1929, carrying all their belongings in a trunk. I currently have that trunk in my house. Our grandfather, Mom's dad, was already here working at GE, where he worked for over 40 years, helping to support his eight children. Mom also worked at GE for over 40 years as well. Our grandmother, Dad's mom, helped raise us three boys while Mom was off to GE early in the morning until her, pass, until her, until her passing in 1962. The original barn burnt in 1958, and then again a new barn burnt in 1984. The current main barn was built after the last two fires along with two machine sheds. Later, another hay barn was built. Farming was our dad's passion. He loved being on his tractor out in the field, whether it was baling hay or plowing up a field for planting. Plowing was usually done in the fall and winter wheat was planted. Then in the spring, oats were planted. As the hay began to grow in the springs, we boys knew it was only a matter of time before dad had started to cut the hay. After school ended, and sometimes even before the end of June, we would begin loading and unloading hay until school started again in the fall. We also would cut wood and help out in the garden, gathering eggs and feeding the chickens. It was, if there was a good thing working in a farm, it was that our friend would work with us. I remember talking about farming in school with other farm kids. After we all left the household, Dad would hire local high school boys to work with him. Mom would make fantastic meals from which they would still talk about to this day. As I remember, we would bale about 15 to 18,000 bales of hay a year, along with several thousand bales of straw, working about 200 acres. Farms would be full around August 1st. The oats he planted would be combined and then he would sell to a local pheasant farm in Gelderland where they housed about 6,000 pheasants. Any buckwheat he planted would be sold to Ward G. Ackerman in Altamont. Dad would also grow some cash crops of peas and potatoes for sale at local grocery stores. We did have fun times on the farm, playing basketball, going swimming at Thatcher Park or Warner's Lake, huge birthday parties and picnics with friends and relatives, and our dad did not like to work on Sundays, so we would periodically go to Coroga Lake after church.
Dad would continue farming to the age of 82. Brian Whipple currently works our farm. I alone, my wife Carol and son Justin, have been back at the farm for the last 12 years. We're three of those first years taking care of my mom until her passing at the age of 99 in 2013. We hope to keep our farm and their family for the next 100 years. Growing up on our farm and seeing the hard work our parents did to keep this farm going has taught us three boys, Clifford, Bill, and myself, the meaning of hard work, which has influenced us to be who we are today. 